am. Uh, we get to talk this morning about our VBS experience. In fact, what I want to do is I want to share with you five things that all of us as grown-ups, as big people or old people or whatever you want to call us, that we can learn from the VBS. Regina gave you just a a little bit of the highlights, the high-level things that were taught, but essentially the theme was friendship with Jesus. Man, that Jesus wants to be our friend. And that, I think, is something that kids relate to really well. Kids have an amazing, innate ability to make friends, don't they? Uh, like, literally, there were at least three times on our trip uh, where my daughter introduced me to her new best friend. Uh, and literally, we would go into a hotel swimming pool, and she would find some girl her age from some random part of the country, and she'd come tell me, hey, this is so-and-so. She's my best friend. And, and it's just incredible how kids have that gift. I think as adults, we lose that, don't we? Man, we, we get a little more standoffish. We get a little bit more distant. But kids just accept each other. That They just have this natural ability to connect. We're swimming in the same three feet of water, therefore we're best friends. Uh, so let's get to know each other. And I think that's a beautiful thing. So I think the kids connected with this VBS theme really well. Wow, Jesus wants to be my friend. How cool is that? I remember uh, the first time I heard the Israel Hooten song. I don't know how many of you guys are familiar, but there's this song that's called, I'm a friend of God. And it's, I am a friend of God. I am a friend of God. I am a friend of God. He calls me friend. And the first time I heard that, there was like this religious spirit that rose up in me. And I was like, man, is that even true? Right? Like he's God. He's the creator. He sits on the throne. Like, is, is this even biblical? And the reality is it's very, very biblical. He wants to be our friend. And so let's dig through some things we can learn from the heyday vacation Bible school. The first one is this, is that Jesus befriends sinners like Zacchaeus. Hopefully you remember Zacchaeus. If you grew up in church like I did, you probably know Zacchaeus by a song. Zacchaeus was a wee little man, and a wee little man was he. He climbed up in a sycamore tree. The Lord he wanted to see. I won't sing it, but I'll rap it for you, um, right? Uh, so, so this short dude who was a tax collector, he was the deepest sinner, right? A, a tax collector was not just a sinful person. He was a, a traitor, He was a Jew who worked for the Roman Empire to extort money from the Jewish people to give it to the Romans. And on on top of that, he took extra money for himself. Uh, In fact, he took so much extra money that later on in the story, we find out he's got enough that he says, I'm going to pay it back four times over. So he had become incredibly wealthy in his deceitfulness. Uh, And so, man, they hated him. They, they spoke down about him, and the way that they illustrated this in the Vacation Bible School is so genius. They gave all of the kids candy, and then they had Zacchaeus go steal the candy from them. Uh, and that is offensive when you're a kid, right? What is worse than a candy thief? Uh, and so especially when you're my daughter and, you, you know, the four food groups are the four candy groups, uh, the four sugar groups, uh, she was extremely offended by this Zacchaeus character who's stealing candy. And so they got the taste of what it was like for someone to steal from you, to take from you for themselves. And you know what? They didn't like him. 
They didn't like Zacchaeus, and yet Jesus, you know the story, I'm sure, but in Luke chapter 19, you can go and read it for yourself. Jesus encounters Zacchaeus. He finds him up in this sycamore tree where he went to be able to get up over the crowd because he was short. I understand the problem. Uh, He went up in the tree to be able to, to see Jesus, and Jesus says, hey, come down from there. But he doesn't just speak to Zacchaeus. He has the audacity to say, I want to come over to your house. Imagine how offensive this was to the religious crowd. All these people are following Jesus. They, they think they've got it together and Zacchaeus doesn't. And Jesus, of all the people in the crowd, of all the people who served him and loved him and worshipped him, that's the guy whose house you want to go to? That's the person who you chose? Jesus, you never came to my house. Imagine how offensive this was. And yet Jesus, in his grace, in his sovereignty, in his wisdom, he says, I'm going to your house, Zacchaeus. What do we learn from this? Well, well, first of all, if we're far from Jesus, we learn that Jesus still wants to be our friend. Maybe you are Zacchaeus. Maybe you've done some wicked stuff. Maybe you've done some evil stuff. Maybe you've done some, some hurtful, betraying stuff. The reality is Jesus still loves you. He still sees worth in you. He still wants to pursue you. But that's not what they taught the kids about Zacchaeus' story. What they taught the kids about Zacchaeus' story is that if Jesus befriends the one that nobody loves, we should do the same thing. So I want to encourage you this morning, church, to open your heart to the possibility that there's someone Jesus wants you to pursue that you've written off. There's somebody at your work that's too far gone. Man, they're, they're too far out there. They're, maybe they're an atheist. Maybe they hate God. Maybe they grew up in church and went through a bad experience, and now, man, they're constantly bashing church or bashing Christians. Maybe it's a family member. Maybe it's someone in your circle, but you know someone who it just seems like, man, they're too far gone. I want you to remember that Jesus pursues the unlovable. That Jesus is the God who goes after the most unlikely, the most unlovable, the most sinful and wicked of all of us and says, I want you. I want to be your friend. Jesus didn't change Zacchaeus in order to befriend him. Jesus befriended him in order to change him. He went to his house. And as he went to his house and he broke bread with Zacchaeus and entered into relationship with him, Zacchaeus' heart began to change. Zacchaeus says, I'm, I'm going to repent of what I've done. I want to follow you, Jesus, and I want to make everything right. In fact, I think this is the real key of repentance. It's one thing to say you're sorry, but it's another thing to fix what you've broken. Zacchaeus was so changed and so transformed by his encounter with Jesus that he says, I want to go out and make it right. In fact, I'm not just going to make it right. I'm going to pay back more than I even owe. That's someone who had a complete life change, an experience with someone who can change a heart. All of us know somebody who needs a heart change. All of us know somebody who it seems like they're too far gone and it's never going to happen. Maybe you've prayed for that person for years. Maybe you pursued them for a long time. I want you to open your heart to the possibility that God wants you to pursue them again. Now, let me, let me give a little caveat, a little disclaimer here. Some of us have been abused by somebody, uh, physically abused, perhaps sexually abused, somehow very, very broken by someone, and, and you've gotten out of that situation in a, in a need for protection. I'm not telling you you have to go back into that situation of abuse. Okay, please, please don't misunderstand what I'm saying. Man, there are times where God calls us to break something off, and we just need to move on. 
and, and God's going to send somebody else for them. I'm not talking about that person. I'm just talking about the person that's frustrating, the person that's annoying, the person that just seems like you just can't get through to them. I believe that God may want us to open up to the possibility that he's got a plan for them, that he wants to reach that Zacchaeus in your world, and he wants to reach them through you. Notice how Jesus did it. Jesus got into Zacchaeus' world, but he didn't get into Zacchaeus' sin. You see the difference, right? Like, you, you can get into someone's life and into their world without engaging with their lifestyle. You don't have to lower yourself and lower your standards to get into their sin so, man, hopefully they like me and we can be cool. That's not what Jesus did. But Jesus did enter into Zacchaeus' world. He loved him right where he was at. And because he loved him, because he befriended him where he was, his life drastically changed. The second thing that we can learn from the heyday VBS is from another story that Regina referenced. It's that Jesus doesn't break friendship when Peter fails him or when I do. See, Peter, uh, in first service, I think Regina put it this way, that Peter was Jesus' BFF, right? Like these two were tight. They were close. They were so close that when Jesus got arrested, Peter was the dude who grabbed the sword and cut somebody's ear off. Now, we can argue about the violence and debate the theology of Peter's move, but I think we can all agree, if you're willing to cut somebody's ear off, you, you got a bond, right? You've got a connection. You are ride or die with that person. Peter had a special bond with Jesus. They had a deep friendship. They did life together. They broke bread together. They got into one another's world, and yet at Jesus' absolute lowest moment later on that same night, Peter, Jesus' most loyal friend, disowns Jesus. He denies him three times. You can find the story in Luke 22 as well as in the other Gospels. But the, they come to Peter and they say, hey, weren't, weren't you with Jesus? And Peter knows Jesus is about to be on trial for his life. He knows Jesus is possibly going to die. And Peter, in his fear, in his cowardice, he says, no, I, I don't know him. I don't even know who you're talking about. Who's this Jesus guy anyway? He denies Jesus three times just as Jesus told him he would. You ever had somebody betray you when you were at your greatest need? This wasn't just someone who denied Jesus randomly. This is when someone who denied Jesus at the moment he needed a friend most. At the moment when, when Jesus needed encouragement, Jesus needed support, Jesus needed somebody who had his back, Peter bailed on him. How easy would it have been for Jesus to say, yeah, you're exactly who I thought you were. I should have known better than to get close to you in the beginning. I should have never trusted you from the start, but that's not who Jesus is. What does Jesus do? He doesn't break friendship when Peter fails him. And praise God, he doesn't break friendship when I fail him either. Maybe you're like Peter today. Maybe you've let Jesus down. Maybe you've made some promises to God that you haven't come through on. Maybe he had a call and a purpose in your life that, that you haven't lived up to. I want you to know today that Jesus hasn't given up on you. Jesus hasn't broken friendship with you. Maybe you feel, man, like I'm a failure. I'm worthless. Maybe you've entered into some kind of sin that you thought would never be you. You said, I would never do that. That will never happen to me. Or maybe you said, that'll never happen to me again. But the reality is that's the situation that you've ended up in once again. I want you to know, I need you to know, Jesus hasn't given up on you. Jesus hasn't written you off. He still has a plan and a purpose for you. In fact, listen to what he does to Peter. With Peter, you hopefully know the story. In John 21, the disciples are on a boat, and they've been out fishing all night long. The kind of fish that they're catching are, are best to catch 
overnight. They're night fish. And so they're out catching these fish, and they've been had this long night, and they see on the shore, they see a fire burning. And they see Jesus there with the fire. And Peter's so excited. This is after Jesus has died and risen again. Peter's so excited to see Jesus. He's the one who jumps out of the boat, right? Peter's always the, the first one to move. He moves first and thinks later. So he jumps out of the boat and he swims to shore and he gets to Jesus. And Jesus is making this amazing breakfast of fish. Now, fish sounds like a terrible breakfast to me. Uh, but in their culture and in their time, that was a good thing. And so Jesus is preparing this open fire breakfast of fish for the disciples. And they sit down and they eat together and they hang out and then Jesus has a one-on-one -on -one conversation with Peter. Side note, how long has it been since you had a one-on-one -on -one conversation with Jesus? When's the last time you had a little heart-to-heart, -heart, just you and him? Well, Jesus has a heart-to-heart -heart with Peter and he asks him this very famous question. You're probably familiar with the story. He says, Peter, do you love me? Imagine this morning Jesus is asking you, Barbara, do you love me? Kim, do you love me? Brad, do you love me? Insert your name there, comma, do you love me? Hopefully all of our response will be pretty similar to Peter's, right? Yes, God, you know that I love you. God, you know my heart. God, you can see my heart. You know my love for you. Why would you even ask? Well, Jesus asks. And then he famously, after Peter responds, Jesus says, feed my lambs. Does this whole thing over and over two more times. And this time Jesus says, feed my sheep. Then he says, feed my sheep. So one time for each time Peter denied him. Peter denied Jesus three times. Jesus restores Peter three times. What is he saying? He's saying, even though you let me down, I want you on my team. Even though you denied me when I needed you the most, I still got a purpose for you, Peter. I've still got a role for you to play. In fact, I haven't just continued to love you and be your friend, but I actually need you, Peter. I'm sending you out there on the front lines, and I've given you a job. I need you to feed my lambs. I need you to go after kids first, which we'll come back to that in a minute. But I need you to feed my sheep. I need you to feed my people. So I want you to know this morning, if you're a Peter today, you had a time where you were closer to God, but you've let him down. You had a time where it seemed like you were at a better place in your relationship with them. But for whatever reason, through circumstances, through bad decisions, through sinfulness, you're not at the place where you once were. Jesus hasn't written you off. He hasn't given up on you. He's still your friend, but he's still got a role for you to play. I think that's amazing. Man, I've let him down. I've made commitments that I haven't followed through with. I've, I've made promises to God that I haven't, man, been good for. And yet time and again, Jesus says, I got a role for you. I got an opportunity for you. I've got a job for you in my kingdom. Will you come continue to be on my team? And praise God, by his grace, I've been able to do that. And I'm so grateful. If you're a Peter today, I need you to know, Jesus doesn't break friendship with you because of your failures. He actually still has a part for you to play. The third thing we can learn from our Vacation Bible School, our Heyday VBS, is that Jesus ultimately makes us friends with God. I told you that it was biblical, right? Well, it's biblical in a couple of places. First of all, in the, in the book of John, Jesus tells his disciples, he says, uh, you, today I call you friends. I've called you servants. You've been my servants, but now I call you friends. You've been upgraded. You've been moved up to a new level. Well, in the book of Romans, it actually puts it this way in chapter 5, verse 11. It says, our Lord Jesus Christ has made us friends of God. I 
am a friend of God. Isn't that mind-blowing? You got any famous friends? You got any, like, cool connections? Like, hey, I, I knew this person, or I grew up with this person, or this person went on to be somebody famous. I know here, uh, because I'm a Seahawks fan, I bump into people all the time that know K.J. Wright. And they're so excited, man, to tell me that, oh, my mom works with K.J.'s mom, or, man, I, I went to school with K.J., or whatever. And I've always thought those stories were amazing. I've been blessed, man. People have gotten me, like, a signed photo and a signed he- little miniature helmet. And I've had lots of cool opportunities. But a couple years ago, I was coaching my son Judah's t-ball team for year-old t-ball and on this four and five-year-old t-ball team uh one of the kids was kj's nephew kylan by the way watch out in about 15 years because kylan's going to be a superstar uh this kid was so far beyond all the other kids at five years old uh but one night the unthinkable happened and KJ came to watch his nephew play. And I am like fanboying out, right? I'm like 38 degrees and total nerd in the stands. Like KJ's here to watch this team play. He's watching my son play baseball. How awesome is this, right? And so I, I couldn't help myself afterwards. I had to go and, and get a selfie with him. And I'm, I'm all sweaty and dirty and nasty. And I look like I just got done preaching. Uh, but uh, I, I got to get my selfie with KJ Wright. And that was a cool thing. It was a great moment, man. I got to have this brush with this person who plays for my favorite team. I'm a friend of God. Can you wrap your brain around that? Like we have these little brushes with celebrity and we think it's so cool and yet you have friendship as a follower of Jesus Christ with God himself. Wow! Not only can you call God your friend, but God calls you his friend. Man, if if we even let that begin to penetrate into our core, into our DNA, into our identity, you have friendship with God. You know when you have a good friend? Because when you have a good friend, you're willing to ask them to help you move or or to take you to the airport, right? Like those are like the two like forbidden things. You don't ask casual friends to help you move or go to the airport. It's like your ride or dies that you're going to lean on or your friend that has a truck, which is why I sold my truck this year, right? So I'm out of the moving business. Um, but, But that's when you got a good friend. You know, you can ask your friend, God, for anything. Jesus has made you friends with God. Like, it's amazing to be saved. It's incredible to be forgiven. Like, all the stuff that we find in our spiritual identity is mind-blowing. But to actually conceive that you could call God your friend, and even beyond that, he's up there telling other people, that's Glenn. He's my friend. That's Aaron. He's my boy. Right, that, 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 that's Emma right there. I love that girl. She's my friend. Can you imagine those words coming out of the mouth of God? You have friendship with the Father. I don't think we grasp that, church. I don't think we get it. We're teaching it to kids, but I think we need to teach it to adults. I think we need to wrestle with it for a little bit, what your place actually is, what you've been grafted into, what you've been given in heaven. In fact, Ephesians says that you've been seated with Jesus in heavenly places, that spiritually you're already there. You've already been given a throne and granted a place next to your friend who happens to rule the universe. 
or the multiverse, or however many verses there are. I don't know, right? He can do whatever he wants, but he rules it all. That's what I know. And he's my friend. And somehow, despite all of my failures and all of my junk, I'm his friend. That's amazing. That's mind-blowing. That's incredible. And it better encourage you this morning, church. Look at somebody and say, you're God's friend. Look at somebody else and say, I'm God's friend. You are a friend of God. Fourth thing that we can learn from our heyday VBS is this. Ministry to kids is work. Everybody who served a VBS this weekend said amen, right? Ministry to kids is work. Yesterday, uh, as I was getting ready to, to give the five-minute warning at the 3 o'clock rotations, um, I was out walking around, and I bumped into Blake Hawley, and Blake was carrying my two-year-old Noah. And Noah's having a breakdown. He's screaming, and he's angry, and it's an hour and a half past nap time, and you can see it all over him. So, so I take my son from him, but I don't have time to go put him down for a nap before I have to give my five-minute warning because I've already screwed up twice. I don't want to screw up a third time. Uh, so i got to take my screaming child around to all the stations as I'm telling everybody, hey, we got five minutes till the next. And as I go to the, the different leaders and the different teachers, you know, I'm apologizing for my son. I'm like, yeah, it's nap time. And literally to a man, every single one of them said, yeah, it is. Me too, right? Like all of us, like they were beat. They were exhausted. These people looked like the end of a Camp 662 weekend. Like they, they, they had laid it down for the kingdom of God. One of the themes that we had at, at Church on the Move where I interned and my wife interned and where we met and where God, man, planted the seeds of this family that he's blessed me with. One of the things that they used to teach us there is that ministry is spelled W-O-R-K. And it's true. Ministry can be work. Man, it can be tough sometimes. It can be nitty-gritty. In fact, some of you were doing work, and just like Dwindle talked about with giving, how we can give and not see the results. A lot of times we can serve and not see the results, but that doesn't mean they're not there. Man, we had three people out in the lobby doing check-in. We had Miss Teresa uh, and Natalie and Drew, and they were doing check-in. They didn't get to be in the rooms and see the kids worship. They didn't get to be in the room and, and see their reaction when Zacchaeus stole their candy or actually gave their candy back after Zacchaeus was redeemed and became friends with Jesus. They didn't get to see, man, the impact that was being made in the lives of these kids, but none of that impact would have been made if we didn't have somebody to do check-in, right? Ministries work. It can be challenging. It can be difficult. And we can, man, translate this to, to any kind of ministry, whether it's small group ministry or, or women's ministry uh, or, or first impressions or media or worship or, or insert ministry here. It's work. But I need you to know this, number five. Ministry to kids is worth it. It's worth it. We just spent seven weeks away from our church and got to visit a whole bunch of churches and see some really cool things. And one of the things that, that I knew but I didn't know to this degree is, man, you can tell when a church cares about kids. You can tell. It's an immediate impression as a parent when you go check your kids in at a place where you don't know anybody, 
You don't know the system. You don't know what goes on behind those doors in that classroom. I mean, there's an immediate guard that goes up. I haven't shopped for a church since I was 18 years old and went to, to Georgia for my freshman year of college, right? That's the last time that I, like, went to different churches on a weekly basis. This wasn't shopping for a church. We weren't out there looking for anything. Don't get scared. Uh, but, but I haven't done the go around to different churches thing for a long time. That's, that's over a half a lifetime ago. Totally different life situation, right, when I was 18 years old. This was a, a unique season for me to, to get to experience all these different things. We went from everything from a, basically a house church, a church that meets in a small condominium in Jackson, Wyoming, uh, to a massive mega church in Las Vegas that has like seven campuses and, and all in between. We experienced a lot of different flavors of Christianity, a lot of different things and expressions of Christianity. By the way, I'm grateful for the different expressions of our faith. I'm grateful we don't all do church the same way. I don't, don't ever think that City Church does it the way. Please don't. Let's, let's never get that pride and that arrogance that we've got it figured out and this is the way to do church. This is a way to do church. And I like the way we do church. By the way, I'm really glad to be back with you guys in the way that we do church. Like, I love the way we do church, but it's not the way. And it's cool to get to experience different things and see different ways. But, but one of the things that stands out as a parent is you know who loves kids. Real quick. And we knew the ones that didn't. Real quick. And there were some where we checked our kids in. And, man, we were thrilled because we knew our kids were going to have an amazing experience. And they were going to be loved on. And they were going to be so excited when they came out. And there were some where we checked our kids in and we prayed. God, help our kids to be okay when we get back here. I won't tell you all the details of those, uh, but, but there was one specifically where there were some nerves checking our ch kids in, in, into this ministry. And there wasn't even a check-in, so I shouldn't say checking our kids. Dropping our kids off at this kid's ministry. Uh, man, you can tell when people love kids, ministry to kids is worth it. Here's what I also discovered on a level that I've never realized before. Ministry to kids is ministry to families. Man, when, when you as a parent have confidence as you're visiting a church, as you're at a new place where you don't know anything and you don't know what to expect, man, we have confidence that, man, these people love my kids, my kids are having a good time, that they're learning something about Jesus, they're going to come out better than they went in. Man, it allows you, it frees you up to enter in and worship. When you're worried about your kid, it's hard to get a whole lot about that ex out of that worship experience for yourself, Right? Ministry to kids is ministry to family. I'm so grateful. We had, I think, 38 different adults and teenagers who served at our Vacation Bible School this weekend. Thank you, guys. Yes, come on. We can give it up for them. In fact, I think we have a picture. Will you throw that picture up for me? Um, this isn't even all the people who served at our VBS, but it's a number of the people who served at our VBS. Steve has a cow on his head. I don't know what's going on there. Um, but, uh, man, it takes... A village, right? We had, I think, 55 kids who were part of our vacation Bible school, and 38, it took 38 adults to make it happen. And every one of those adults sacrificed their weekend for it to happen. That's just a, a weekend VBS experience. That's not what happens in Kid City on a weekly basis. I mean, it takes a lot of people to love on our kids, but it's worth it. It makes an impact to, to be a father and come back with a six-year-old who's mad that you're not taking her to her church. Man, that's the greatest defiant moment with my daughter I've ever had, <laughs> right? Like, no, we're not going to city church. Suck it up. Get over it. But also, yes, right? My kid wants to be in her church. She wants to be with her people. She's found community. She's found identity. She's found a place where she knows that she's loved, where she knows that she's cared for. 
thank you, Kid City, for giving my kid an inspiration to get back to church. What a blessing as a dad, set aside as a pastor, as a dad, to know that my six-year-old daughter is dying to be here. Man, it's such an encouragement. As a pastor, one of my favorite things to hear, and I hear this quite a bit, is, man, what, what, what made you choose City Church? What made you guys? I know you were, you know, we asked new families. You've been out looking around. You've been church shopping for a little bit. Why, why City Church? And time and again, I've heard people say, man, because that's where my kids want to be. Man, because my kids came once, and they didn't want to go anywhere else. What an amazing testimony of the power of Kids City. Kids ministry is family ministry. I'm so grateful for Regina. I'm so grateful for that team. Here's my second challenge for you today. I gave you one challenge to find a Zacchaeus. Find somebody who, who you've written off, who you've said, man, they're too far gone, and open up to the possibility that they're not too far gone, that God is sending you into their life. My second cha- challenge is this. I want you to pray about, if you're not currently involved in Kid City, potentially getting involved. Why do I want you to do that? Well, I wanted you to do that for a couple of reasons. One, because kids' ministry is worth it. It matters, man, because as, as exhausting as this weekend was, man, those people who served, they know that they made a difference. They know that they sowed seed into to kids' eternity. We had a, a number of preschoolers yesterday who, who raised their hand and said that they wanted to give their lives to Jesus. And I don't know how old you have to be to make a true decision for Christ. And we're not going to say, hey, man, every one of these kids legitimately got saved. I don't know what the age is, but I know this. I made my first decision when I was two, and again when I was four, and again when I was eight, and somewhere along the line it took, right? Somewhere along the line it stuck. Somewhere along the line, Jesus came into my life. And so I'm not writing off those decisions that those three-year-olds made either. I don't know what God is doing in their life, but I know there's something in them that says, hey, I want to be a part of this. There's something in them that says, hey, I want more of God in my life. There's something in them that says, this is something that I need, and that's an awesome thing. The word of God doesn't return void, and it's been deposited into their hearts because ministry to kids is work. But ministry to kids is worth it. So please pray through what that might look like for you if you're not currently involved. The second reason why I'm going to ask you that is because I'm going to tell you this. I just had seven weeks off. I'm rested up and I'm fired up. We got some people back there in Kid City who've been serving for years and they need a break too. And I would love over the next three months to staff up our kids ministry in such a way that we could tell Miss Regina, we don't need you for the next six weeks. Take some time off. You need a break. Man, you go into service, and you don't worry about Kid City because this place is under control. we got plenty of people back here who love our kids, and they can handle it. I would love to be able to do that for her. we got some other teachers who, who deserve a break, but they're not willing to take a break and force a break because they love those kids too much. And I praise God for them, and I'm grateful for them. But we got enough people in this church that we can give some people some breaks we got enough people that we can staff up. Even if all you said is, hey, I'll, let me serve for three, three months to, to get some people some breaks on a rotation. Man, let, let me fill in for a couple of months. And you don't know, man, God might just capture your heart in those three months, and it might be longer than three months. Just warning you on the front end. Uh, that's how God rolls sometimes. You may not realize what you're committing to. We're not asking you to sign your life away. Just, just step in and fill once a month on the schedule for three months. And see what God does over that time. See if those kids capture your heart. It may not even be God. It might just be the kids. Because uh, they're pretty special. They're pretty cool. Uh, and they're a lot of fun to be around. I wish that I got to be with them more, man, after this weekend. Uh, just, just seeing who they are and the personalities and the gifts that God's placed in them, the passion he's placed in them. It's an honor to get to be back there in Kid City. So two requests as I come back from my trip. Pray for God to find you as Zacchaeus. 
Who's the person I need to go after in my world, in my life, who I've written off, who's far from God, who everybody else thinks they're never coming to Jesus, but Jesus hasn't given up on So I'm not giving up on them either. And pray through if you're not currently involved in Kid City. Man, is this the time for me to take that step? And I say pray through it because if God says no, like there may be legitimate stuff going on in your life and it's not the right time and that's okay. But for most of us, it's probably a good time. So pray it through. Open the door to God. Let him answer the question. In your seat when you came in, you probably saw there's a card that just has all the different serving opportunities here at City Church. Uh, And so what I want you to do is I just want you to take that over the next week and pray over it, specifically in regards to Kid City. But, but God may have a role for you in first impressions. He may, you may be already thinking and praying through, man, should I try out for the worship team or get plugged in with media or, or man, city groups are coming up in the fall. Maybe I could be a host home. Maybe I need to lead a city group. Man, you can give all, any of that feedback on that card. But I specifically pray through the Kids City opportunity because ministry to kids is worth it. Let me share a couple of verses with you before we wrap up. Proverbs 22.6 says this, says, train up a child in the way he should go. Even when he's old, he will not depart from it. Why is ministry to kids so important? Because we can set them on the right track. Man, as a youth pastor, for years and years and years, I could tell the difference between the kids who grew up in it and, man, we didn't have to fix them. We, didn't, man, we were excited about the ones who made the 180 degrees. We were excited for the Zacchaeuses. But, man, how awesome would it be to keep them from ever having to become a Zacchaeus? How awesome would it be for, for our kids to just grow up and know Jesus? Man, I, I was that kid. I, I made some mistakes, and I blew it many, many times. But I never just got crazy far from God because I knew God from such an early age that when I made some missteps, the Holy Spirit was ready to smack me upside the head and bring me back in line. And, and by God's grace, I didn't have to be a Zacchaeus. I've been a Peter. I've failed him. I've denied him. I've betrayed him. But, man, I never had to be a Zacchaeus who was just out in the world and lost. You're far from God. I'm so grateful for that. And I know it's because of my parents. Number one, parents have the greatest role. But I also had some awesome teachers some awesome children's ministers that, that were a part of my life. Uh, so we can train them up, and when they're old, they will not depart from it. Last verse for you today, and this is encouragement for everybody who serves in Kid City and those who serve at VBS. Matthew 10, 42 says, If anyone gives even a cup of cold water to one of these little ones who is my disciple, truly I tell you, that person will certainly not lose their reward. Did you hear that? There's a blessing in eternity for people who love on little kids, for as small of a request as just giving them a cup of water, right? You may have felt like the thing you did at VBS wasn't that significant. I put out chicken strips, right? The Bible says there's a blessing because you gave them a cup of water. I think there's an even bigger blessing for some chicken crispers, right? Like, like, like there's an re- eternal reward for loving on a kid. You might have changed the diaper, I don't know about God's ranking system, but my guess is changing a diaper is higher than handing out water. I know when it comes to mental levels, like it it takes a little more sacrifice to change that diaper than it does to give a cup of water, right? Man, it may may not seem like the thing that you always do is significant, but God says, I see it. That little thing you do to love on one of my kids, to point one of them into the kingdom, that little thing, I got a blessing for you. I got a reward. He says, you got a reward so great that you're not even going to lose it. I promise it's there and it's waiting with your name on it. Every little thing you do for a kid, there's a blessing on it. If I had enough time, I would brag on a whole bunch of people from this weekend because I got to see people do some awesome stuff. 
I saw, some, I saw some sides of people I've never seen before in our church. There, there, there's some stuff. Justin Givens is a whole other person than I realized. And I wish I had time to tell you all about it. Uh, I don't know if you guys noticed in the video, but they had like a, a shot in the, of him like falling on the slipping side and all the kids busted out laughing. It's because they love some Justin Givens. Man, because that dude is their hero. Like, he connects with some kids. He's got a gift, and I wish he was here for me to build him up. He's, I didn't say this first service when he was here, and I should have said it. But, man, there's something in him. Man, there's something, something that God's doing in him. Those kids love that dude. But, man, there's a reward for all of us who serve kids. So pray through your Zacchaeus. Pray through your opportunity to pray in kids' city.